Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you this morning. And I'm Pastor Tuck. Welcome to the Word at My Church. If this is your first time joining us, we want you to know you're in exactly the right place. You're exactly where God wants you to be. And I want to encourage you to share this broadcast with at least three people. Because as believers, we have a mandate to spread the gospel of Christ all over the world. We are a teaching ministry with a mission to help people get better by teaching them how the word works. So go ahead and get your Bible, your notebook, your pen, your highlighter, and let's get ready to dig into God's word. But before we do, let's begin with our Bible confession. So go ahead and grab your Bible in your hand and repeat after me. This is my Bible. I believe every word. I am who it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do by hearing its word and applying it by faith, it'll change my life. So I declare right now from this day forward that my life will never, ever, ever be the same again. And neither shall the life of anyone with whom I share this word. So I declare I'm going to share this word with someone so that their life may be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Precious God, Lord, we thank you today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the moments of preaching. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for every opportunity, Lord, to approach your throne of grace. Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the for the privilege, Father God, Lord, for the honor, Father God, Lord, of shepherding your sheep, Father God, Lord, and to, Lord, speaking before you, Lord, Father God, before your people, Father God, on your behalf. So, Father God, Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you would move me aside, take my place, speak to your people. Father God, use me, Lord, as an oracle, Father God, Lord, that I would say, Lord, only what you tell me to say and do only what you tell me to do. Father God, Lord, that they would receive insight, foresight, and revelation from on high. Father God, Lord, that your word will come forth pure, Father God, Lord, un checked, Father God, Lord, unhindered, Lord, by Father God, any demonic force, Father God, Lord, any spirit, Father God, Lord, that would attempt, Father God, Lord, to stop them from walking in the manifestation of the things you've declared from on high. So, Father God, Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you would, Lord, make their eyes open, Father God, Lord, their ears attentive, Father God, their hearts receptive, Father God, Lord, that they may receive, Father God, Lord, that word, Father God, Lord, that you have implanted within them. Father God, Lord, your word declares, Father God, Lord, that anytime we can see here and understand, we can be converted into that which we see here and understand. So, Father, we've come, Lord, now, Lord, sitting as your willing vessels, Father God, Lord, to be filled, Father God, Lord, from your cup. So, Father God, pour out into us, Father God, that which you, Lord, desire for us, Lord, to receive. Father God, restore us once again, Father God, from the throne of heaven, and we ask you, Lord, that you would do it now. We declare, Lord, that there shall be no, Father God, technical issue, Father God, no glitches, Father God, Lord, no, Father God, Lord, issue. Father God, Lord, that this word, Father God, Lord, would find its way, Father God, all around the world, Father God, Lord, that we may touch, Father God, Lord, the full potential, Father God, Lord, that you've given us on these platforms, Father God, Lord, you are putting us, Father God, in over 200 million households, and Father God, we're declaring, Father God, Lord, that by faith, we're going to reach every one of those souls for Christ, and Father God, Lord, that what you desire to be done in the lives of your believers, Father God, Lord, is going to be done through you, and we declare it all now in Jesus' Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Open your Bibles with me to the gospel according to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. And when you get there, we're going to begin reading at verse 29. Luke chapter 19. 
beginning at verse 29. And I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 29. And it reads, And it came to pass, when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you why you're loosing it, thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. Now, I, I just want to pause right there just for, for, for a brief moment because th this is not even where I'm going today, but I, I, I feel like this, this is a place that, that we just can't just skip over. We just can't just gloss over that in the particular text because I feel like we do that all too often in God's word. But here we see Jesus and he sends his disciples on ahead into town and he says, you're going to go into this village that's in front of you. He said, and when you get there, you're going to find a colt. Tied. He says, on which no one has ever sat. Now, you do realize that horses, donkeys, you know, those were the modes of transportation of that day. And he says, here you're going to find one that no one has ever sat. So he said, basically, you're going to find a brand new vehicle, a brand new mode of transportation. That he said, no one's ever driven it. He's got zero miles on it. He said, and I want you to get in it and drive it and bring it over here to me. He said, so you're going to walk up to somebody's driveway on this dealership, wherever it is. He said, either the dealership or the house, wherever you see this car parked. He said, this brand new vehicle, but no mileage, this brand new car. He said, just get in it and drive off. He said, and if somebody asks you, why you are taking it, just say to them, because the Lord has need of it. Now, I, I, I got to modernize this for a minute. Just, just imagine this taking place now. You got a brand new vehicle sitting in your parking lot. You're a car dealer and you got a brand new, you got a car lot and somebody walks up and gets into one of your brand new vehicles, gets in your brand new vehicle in your driveway and starts pulling off and you say, hey, what are you doing? He said, hey, the Lord has need of it. Notice nowhere in the scripture do we see a commotion. We don't see any fuss. We don't see the guy chasing them down the street with, you know, with, 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 with a glove, a hatchet, you know, any kind of tool of any shape, you know, any kind of weaponry, nothing, no argument, no fuss. He just said, because the Lord has need of it. Can you imagine what kind of world we would live in now if God could have whatever he wanted from you? Paul, say, say la. think about that for a moment. Hmm. Oh, we going somewhere today, but I just had to give you that because that just, that just stood out to me when I was studying this text. Look at verse 32. It says, so those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the coat, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the coat? And they said, the Lord has need of it. Then they brought him to Jesus. See, just like I say, no, no commotion, no fuss. No must, no fuss, no nothing took place. They just said, hey, just like that, they said, the Lord has need of him. And then they brought him to Jesus. 
Y'all remember on last week, I talked about a God only mentality where I only think what God tells me to think and I only feel what God tells me to feel and I only say what God tells me. Hey, come on. I only think, feel, and say what God tells me. And I only do what he says. So can you imagine that guy coming out and for a moment he's thinking, hey, what's going on? But he says, God said, hey, ain't got nothing to do with you, player. God says, hey, Hey, watch your mouth. Don't say nothing. Hey, I feel some kind. God said, hey, mm -mm. Don't, don't, don't get upset. Don't even get offended by that. Because it wasn't yours in the first place. Because you do know the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and all those that dwell in it. The silver is his, the gold is his. So God said, all of it belongs to me anyhow. So if I said I needed it, then why you got an issue? Oh, I don't even know why I'm preaching down that vein today. Somebody need to hear that. I'm just, I'm, these are just nuggets I'm depositing because the Holy Spirit's dropping them in my spirit while we preaching. Okay, let's let's let, let's move move on, Pastor. Move on. Okay. It says in verse thirty-five. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the coat. So I'm going to throw my good clothes on a filthy animal. Hmm. And they sat Jesus on him. So he's going to sit on my clothes to keep him from getting dirty. So he can be comfortable. Hmm. Because it's more about him than me. Oh, all kinds of nuggets in here, I'm trying to tell you. Verse 36, and he went, and as he went, Many spread their clothes on the road. Wait a minute. So now I'm going to take my good, Gucci, my Fendi, my, my Louis, my, 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 my Versace, my, you know, my Old Navy, my Walmart, come on, my Sears. I'm going to take my, 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 my good hard-earned and lay it on the ground for the animal to walk on. Jesus not even walking there. He riding but I'm going to lay it down for the animal to walk on. Hmm. Lay their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen saying, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, if I tell, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, here we see Jesus and he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's preparing for the toughest portion of his earthly journey. But what I found interesting was that his father specifically sent him on this particular path. See, Jesus was not popular everywhere he went. As a matter of fact, some people wanted him dead. But as he is about to face the biggest trial of his life, 
we see people confirming the call on his life, reminding him that he's going to be successful simply because of who sent him. They said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, 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 now wait a minute. Uh, doesn't the Bible say that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God? Royal priesthood, a kingly tribe. Uh, so, so blessed are the kings because Jesus is the king of kings who comes in the name of the Lord. We are ambassadors. We represent him. Hmm. Yeah. So when we are going through something, it's important to be surrounded by people who will speak into our lives and tell us that we are blessed and empowered to succeed because of who we represent. See, all they were doing was coming into agreement with what God had already said about him. And that's why it's critical to surround yourself with people who will say what God says. Uh, turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And when you get there, look at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Reading this from the King James Version. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. That word patience in the New King James Version is endurance. See, having encouragement at the right moment is the key to being able to endure. See, God knew what Jesus was about to go through on Calvary. So he surrounded him with the right witnesses. People who would testify to what God said about him. So that he could endure the harsh trial he was about to go through. Because remember, he was a man just like us. And if you've been with us, then you know that this is the year that God wants to restore us to the place of greater influence and impact. I told you he wants to give us the ability to transform the world around us. But in order to do so, we must be able to hear God and do what he says. And that requires unquestioned obedience. We must possess a God only mentality where God's word is the final authority.
where the word determines our thoughts, our choices, and emotions, where it is the standard by which we govern our lives. Otherwise, when we run up against opposition, we will not have the ability to endure. Well, the Bible says that the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Because his primary objective is to steal, kill, and destroy the results that the word can produce in our life. See, because he knows that at the moment we obtain word, we now have potential. Potential to increase. Potential to prosper. Potential to change not only our lives, but the lives of those with whom we come in contact. And that's why the battle is so intense. Because if he can get us to quit before we start, to concentrate on our circumstances instead of our covenant, to listen to the naysayers instead of the one after whom we have been named, it will create a conflict between what we say we believe and what we really believe. And it will short circuit our faith causing us to forfeit our future and derail our own destiny. And that's why he'll do anything he can to discourage us. As a matter of fact, go over to Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four. See, the enemy is trying to create that conflict between your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. I, I told you this on last week. And when you get into that situation of becoming double-minded, it produces a level of instability in your life where your faith is no longer operable. And so that's his job to get you in that place where your faith no longer works. And that's what he's after. Y'all in Mark chapter 14? Mark chapter 4, I'm sorry. Look at verse 14. Here it reads, The sower sows the word. See, God using pastors like myself sows the word. That's my job. That's why we go through so many scriptures. That's why we spend time with the God to get revelation so that we can sow word into the ground of your heart. Watch this. Just some revelation for you. That's why you should be praying. That's why you should be worshiping before word shows up. So that the ground of your heart will be softened. It will be prepared to receive. That's why you study. That's why you pray. That's why you worship. So that the ground is, is, is receptive to the seed of the word when it's sown. See, if you've ever seen somebody who has a farm before, they go out there and they till the soil. They pluck out the weeds. They remove all the trash. They make sure that the ground is furrowed. That it's broken up. 
and that it's ready so that you can just poke a hole, put a seed in, cover it up so that the seed can do what it needs to do. See, when you come and listen to word like this, it should just be permeating your heart. But if it's having a hard time getting in, that's a problem. I'm telling you, this is just bonus information, but I need you to understand where this word is coming from. He said, the sower sows the word. He said, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. Now, if you think about the wayside, that's the path where people keeps walking. And that path gets worn down. It gets hard. It's the wayside. So when you throw seed on it, it doesn't go into the ground. It just sits right on top. He says, and when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. He says, see, because it only hits on the surface. See, because it's only something that you hear and not something you receive, he comes immediately and takes away what was sown. I, I told you he's after your faith. So he immediately comes to steal the word. Now watch this. If you've ever seen a pickpocket before, the way they steal without people noticing is by distracting them which is one of the enemy's primary schemes. That word distraction is made up of two words. The prefix dis, which means to remove or to separate. And that word traction, which is the adhesive force applied to something to produce momentum needed to advance. In other words, it is the gripping onto something necessary to progress. For example, when you're trying to run, your shoes need to grip onto the ground in order for you to make process, progress going forward. That's why track shoes are made a certain way. That's why football cleats are made a certain way, so that they can grip onto the ground so that they can make necessary progress. That's why snow tires are made a certain way, so that they can grip onto the pavement so that it can make necessary progress. It is that adhesive force applied to something to produce no necessary momentum needed to advance. Well, when you hear the word, the enemy tries to distract you. He wants to remove or separate you from grasping what is necessary for you to progress. He's trying to come between you and your grip on the word. And he does it by making you think that you are too busy or that there are other things more important or that the word is insignificant when in actuality your life depends on it. Y'all recall Jesus himself said man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So your very life depends on your ability to grasp the word but he tries to distract you. He tries to come between you grasping or adhering to the very thing you need to gain momentum and advance. Somebody type into the comments. There's nothing more important than the word.
Oh, I need y'all to get this. Not the choir. Come on. Not the programs. Not the fellowship. I didn't say those things were not uh, valuable. But nothing is more important than the word. Because Jesus said, in, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word is God himself. Jesus said, the word I speak to you, it is spirit and it is life. Your very life is contained in the word of God. And that's why the enemy does not want you to grasp it. So that you can gain momentum. He goes on to say in verse 16. These likewise are those who are sown on stony ground. Who when they hear were immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves. So they endure only for time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. See, stony ground has all of these impediments to growth. So even if a fledgling seed starts to grow, as soon as it starts to grow and bump into something hard, it immediately stops growing and the roots are not able to go deep enough to sustain it. Mm. See, that's why I told you when you're furrowing the ground, when you're tilling that soil, you're removing stones, you're removing all of that stuff out of the way that's going to get in the way of that seed growing. He says, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Here we see that Satan's attempt to steal the word when it's unsuccessful. He says, because it says that they receive it with gladness. So it was unsuccessful for him to steal it. So at that point, he shifts his strategy. He figures if he can't steal it, he might as well try to destroy it. Because if he can't have it, you can't have it either. See, in order to destroy your potential, he has to destroy the word's credibility. So he attacks you with problems. It says when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. What do you mean, Pastor? Are you trying to tell me that the reason I'm going through all this stuff is because of the words you're preaching? Well, don't be so surprised. Because the reason they crucified him was because of the word. Y'all do remember that when the wise men came to Herod, and say, we're looking for the one who was born king of the Jews. Because the angel had given them a word. Herod then sought out to kill him. 
The, the enemy was after him once he found out what his destiny was. So the moment the word is spoken over your life, now the enemy is after you. See, the devil thinks if he can hit you with enough problems, he can make you quit. But that's why you got to tap into your resources. He, he says the reason why we stumble is because we have no root. Roots are the sources that feed. Somebody type in the comments, you need to stay connected to the sources that feed you. Too many times we're connected to the wrong sources. Remember, the Bible says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So if that's the case, I'm supposed to be walking in the counsel of the godly. I'm supposed to be connected to godly counsel. I need to be where I'm constantly being fed the word of God. And notice, God didn't send Jesus down the street where people were cursing and ridiculing him. He sent him down. He didn't send him down a dark alley. He made a triumphal entry into the city where there were people declaring his victory before the battle ever began. He was surrounded by people who would only say what God said. See, the key is no matter what the enemy tries to throw at you, no matter what he tries to convince you of, no matter what it looks like or feels like, remember that we were built for this. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. We were built for this because God created us to be his change agents in the earth to influence and impact every area of life. And it's only what God said that matters. See, I'm so tired of seeing believers living beneath their privilege, living beneath their potential. I'm sick of hearing people talk about what they can't do. But what you're really doing is calling God a liar. The Bible says we can do all things through Christ. So the question is, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? If God be God, serve him. If Baal or the world be God, serve him. But the Bible says the people said nothing. See, I told you on last time, as long as there's a conflict between your conscious and your subconscious mind, what you say you believe and what you really believe, as James reminds us, you should not think you will receive anything from the Lord because you are double-minded and unstable in all your ways. So you need to resolve the conflict. You've got to settle that issue in your spirit. Go over to Revelations chapter 12. Revelations chapter 12. Oh, I pray I'm blessing somebody this Palm Sunday morning. Revelations chapter 12. And when you get there, look at verse 11. Revelations chapter 12, beginning at verse 11. Here it reads, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. 
In other words, the reason why they won is because they knew they were saved. Because they knew they were saved. And they knew somebody else had made it. See, they overcame by the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb is what ensured their salvation. So they knew they were saved. But not only did they know they were saved, it says, but by the word of their testimony, they knew somebody else who had made it. And that fortified their faith. See, the Bible says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance. In other words, God has given us the resources to support us, to encourage us, to confirm the things that he's spoken over our lives. But we've got to choose to tap in. It's our choice what we receive. Somebody type in the comments. Who are you surrounded by? Yeah. See, we've been reinforcing negative thoughts and fortify our fears for years by listening to the wrong people. But I'm trying to teach you how to fortify your faith. See, every time a situation appears to be negative, we start trying to collect negative testimonies to justify our pessimistic outlook. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, we get a pain and somebody tells us they had a cousin who had that same pain and two weeks later, he was dead. Next thing we know, we depressed. But Pastor tells us what the word says, something that's going to make our life better. And we think, well, I know somebody else who tried that and it didn't work for them. Well, the Bible said, all things are possible for those who believe. See, we destroy our potential before we get started. Just because things got a little difficult. Just because we experienced failure in the past. And that attitude has to change. Because no matter what situation you go through, if you come out knowing more about yourself and know about God, you can consider that a victory because you got a testimony. You got some wisdom to pass on. So instead of complaining, ask God, how did you end up there? So that you can avoid repeating that cycle, then use your influence so that someone else won't have to go through what you just went through. And don't underestimate the impact of simply letting someone else know that they can make it. Let me help you see this. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And when you get there, look at verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 8. Here Paul says, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. 
for that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. First of all, look at what he just said. He said, we don't want you to be ignorant of our trouble. He said, we don't want you to think everything has been peaches and cream for us. We don't want you to think everything was sunshine and rainbows. He said, since we've been over here in Asia, he said, we were burdened beyond measure. He said, we were dealing with more stuff than we knew how to handle. He said, above strength, so that we despaired even life. He said, it was so bad, we didn't even want to live no more. Look at verse 9. He said, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. He said, inside, we wanted to quit. We wanted to die. We felt suicidal. He said that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead. He said, look, he said, but it only got to that point so that we would know to not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. See, watch this. The Bible says it is good that I was afflicted. Otherwise, I would not know God. See, sometimes the trouble we go through is to get us to the end of ourselves, so that we can recognize who to trust. The problem is some of us never make that switch. We never realize who to tap into. Watch this. My goddaughter, I watch her now. She, 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 she'll be three in a couple months. And I watch her sometimes. She's doing stuff because she's at that age where she's discovering what she can do. And she gets so excited every time she does something new. I mean, the little things. I mean, it could be buttoning a button. It could be putting, putting, sticking, sticking something through a hole. I mean, anything that she realizes that she can do, it absolutely excites her because she recognizes that she has the ability to do something. But the moment she can't do something, she gets so frustrated. She starts to almost break down. She starts crying. She starts, why? Because she realized she's at the end of herself. But the thing she has to learn is that when you get to the end of you, all you got to do is ask somebody greater. There's no need for frustration. All you got to do is say, hey, can you help me? Because help is always available to her. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. See, sometimes that's the reason why you have to get to the place to find out the things you can't do to realize that you have help. Mm, Jesus. He said, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Verse 10 says, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Here, Paul tells us, I want you all to have the benefit of the wisdom of my struggles. See, Paul said the whole purpose is I'm trying to help y'all by understanding what I went through. Because through them, I learned how to trust God. Now, while you're in the midst of it, you may not see the benefit of the wisdom. You may not understand the blessing of the burden. You may not understand the triumph in the trouble, in the, in the, in, in the, in the trial. 
or how somebody else's struggle will help you trust God. And you may not want to hear somebody else's testimony. But Paul makes it plain in, plain in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Go over there. First Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 13. Here he says, no temptation. The Amplified Bible says, no trial regarded as enticing sin. He says, no matter how it comes or where it leads. In other words, anything that makes you want to walk away from or quit on God has overtaken you except such as common to man. See, the same stuff you're going through, somebody else has been through or will go through. He says, but God is faithful. See, but the one thing that is common is that the same God that brought them out will bring you through. He says, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with that temptation will always make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, sometimes all it takes is listening to somebody else's testimony to know the way out. Or at least give you the encouragement to know that you've got a God who won't leave his children in distress. But regardless, the key is don't quit on God. Somebody type in the comments, we were built for this. Go over to Job chapter 2. Oh, I'm trying to bring it home. A few more scriptures. Y'all just hang with me. Job chapter 2. Look at verse 1. It says, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth and blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? And still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand but spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a pot sheared, which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Now, if there was anybody Whoever had a reason to waver in his faith, if that was anybody, whoever had a reason to quit on God, it was Job. 
As a matter of fact, his own wife told him to his face to curse God and die. Even his friends told him to give up. But the Bible says in all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. The Amplified Bible says it this way. In all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. So many times we'll blame God, but we don't realize some things are a result of the sin that exists in the world. And some things are just byproducts of our own disobedience. Oh, I believe I need to say that again. Some things we're dealing with are the byproducts of our own disobedience. God told us to go left and we went right. And we walked right into a buzzsaw. As a matter of fact, Peter tells us, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some things, some strange thing happened to you. So we need to stop thinking something is wrong when trouble shows up. Turn over to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Oh, I pray this is blessing you because if not, it's blessing me this morning. John chapter 16. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version of the Bible. Beginning at verse 33. Here Jesus says, I have told you these things. In other words, I've given you my word. So that in me, in the word, you may have perfect peace and confidence. In other words, I gave you my word so that in my word, you would have peace. The whole purpose of us having the word is to give us peace regardless of what's going on. He says, in the world, you have tribulation, trials, distress, frustration. So I don't know why we act surprised when problems show up, when trouble shows up, when distress shows up, when frustrations show up. He said, that's a, that's a symptom. That's a byproduct of living in a natural fallen world. He said, that's how it is here. But we're, even though we live here, we're not supposed to abide here. We're supposed to abide in the world. And so when you abide in the word, you can have peace in the world. Somebody get that at home. He says, in the world, you have tribulation, trials, distress, frustration. He said, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. Who is I? Jesus. Remember, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is the word. He says, for the word has overcome the world. That's how come you can have peace in the world. Because you don't live in the world. You live in the word. See, when you live in the word, even though they're talking about all kinds of financial crisis and depression and all kinds, you're like, I ain't worried about none of that. Why? Because I don't live in that. I live in the word. And the word tells me he will not leave me nor forsake me. He supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Then I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. That he delights in the prosperity of his servant. His word tells me how he treats me. So I don't care what the world tries to do 
to me because greater is he that is in me, the word that's in me, than the adversary that's in the world. Ah, oh, Jesus. Watch this. That scripture right there. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Y'all never seen a soda can before? Of course you have. You got a can of soda. Hasn't been opened. That soda, what's on the inside of that can, is exerting so much pressure on the outside walls of that can that I don't care how much pressure you put on the outside of that can. The force that you're putting on the outside of that can cannot crush that can. Why? Because there's a greater pressure being applied to the inside of the can. Woo, Jesus! I pray somebody just heard what I just said. See, because greater is he that is within me. I've got a greater force on the word on the inside than the force of that pressure that's trying to apply pressure to me on the outside. See, all the financial pressure, all the health pressure, all the relationship pressure, everything the world is trying to apply pressure to me on the outside cannot do damage to me because I got word applying pressure from the outside. Y'all don't hear me. That's why he says that we're hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. You can stand on top of a can that has not been opened and it won't crush because the pressure on the inside, what's on the inside is greater than that's what's on the outside. 12-ounce can, 200-pound man can't crush it, 300-pound man can't crush it, 12 ounces of soda. Because why? Because of the pressure. Because greater is what's on the inside. May not look like it. Hey, Jesus, may not look like it, but it ain't about what it looks like because it's not what you can see but what you can't see. What is seen is eternal. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I'm trying to help somebody today. He says, in the world, you're going to have tribulations, trials, stress, frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Serve undaunted. For I, the word, have overcome the world. I have deprived it of the power to harm you and have conquered it for you. See, we got to realize that trouble comes with the territory. But we can have rejoice, we can rejoice knowing that we were built for this. Because if we live in the word, there's nothing the world can do to affect us. See, regardless of the situation we may be facing, we must remember Jesus is always the answer. As a matter of fact, the psalmist declared. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And Paul reminds us, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In him. So regardless of what happens, God is faithful. And the scripture teaches that the secret to continual victory over the world is that anything that is conceived, brought forth, and has its origin in the word overcomes the world. 
Well, John told us in his right that this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. See, our faith is what secures that victory for us. So we must remain resolute in our belief system. We cannot afford to be conflicted in what we say we believe and what we really believe. Now, I know some of you are thinking, what does that have to do with Palm Sunday? Well, turn back to Luke chapter 19. Because we know that Jesus is our example. And the Bible says he always leads us to triumph. In other words, he shows us the way to victory. And here Jesus was walking in his full humanity. Luke chapter 19. So I can bring it back home for you. Look at verse 36. It says, as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all of the mighty works they had seen saying blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I told you, even though he was about to face the most difficult trial of his life, God made sure that he was surrounded by people who would say what God said about him in order to strengthen his faith. Well, in verse 39, it says some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep quiet, the stones would immediately cry out. What he was saying is my father will do whatever it takes to make sure I succeed. And because he surrounded me by such a great cloud of witnesses, He had the faith to endure the cross. See, no matter what you're going through, God will make sure that you have the encouragement that you need. But you've got to tap into the sources that feed you. See, Jesus had to make a choice which voices he would listen to. Those that confirm what God had spoken over his life or those that were contrary to the word. But if we're going to have the influence and impact that God intended, we must only listen to his voice. And he said, we were built for this. See, I remember in some of the lowest moments in my life, God has even sent total strangers to remind me of what he said about me. God knows what you need and when you need it. Your job is just to receive it. You got to be able to walk out and stand on what God said because you were built for this. It's for such a time as this, God has called his church to be the influence and have a greater impact in the earth. And the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And if you listen to this day, you're like, man, I needed this. That's because God hit you in the exact place you needed to be today to get your word of encouragement. And if you're looking for that, you can come here anytime you like. Because God has purposed us for that purpose. To strengthen the body of Christ. 
to teach people how to get better by teaching them how the word works, how to operate according to God's word. But the first step is to receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you're listening to this word today and you're like, man, I really need to work on my relationship with God. I, I, I've never really connected to him. This is your opportunity today. The Bible says that all you've got to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you could be saved. See, what you say with your mouth and what you believe in your heart has to line up. Because what you say you believe and what you really believe have to be the same in order for you to receive what God has for you. And see, if you really believe God loved you enough to give his son for you, and you believe that in your heart, and then if you confess with your mouth that I'm willing to exchange the life that I'm living for the life he has for me and allow Jesus to be my Lord, to make all of my decisions, to lead my life, God said, you can have it. I made it available to you. I want to change. I want to shift your entire trajectory and make your life different. I want to use you for my purpose. And if you desire that, just pray this prayer with me. Precious God, come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe Jesus died for me. And I want to receive him as my personal Lord and Savior. Be my father. Make me your child. Teach me how to live for you. And if you prayed that prayer, you're now a part of the body of Christ, the family of believers, and there's nothing anybody can do to stop you. The next step in your journey is to find a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church. And if you desire to be a part of my church, all you have to do is go to our website, www.lovemychurch.org, click Contact Us, fill out a connection card. Let us know you desire to be a part of this ministry, that you receive Christ today. One of our ministers will get back with you. They'll send you all the information you need so that you can connect with us. We're putting mechanisms in place so that you can be discipled wherever you are, so that you can grow, become a part of this ministry and do what God has called you to do on the earth. Secondly, if you've been listening to this word, you've been accessing this ministry and you said, man, I love the way this ministry operates. I love the fact that they're always providing encouragement. They're always giving me exactly what I need, whether that's a word on Sunday mornings, whether that's teaching to help me become a better husband, uh, a better man, a better woman, helping us grow our marriage, whether that's helping me deal with the struggles that I may have, like substance abuse, whether that's just making me laugh, encourage me, whatever, whatever it is that you need, and you're like, man, I love the way this ministry is moving and doing the things God's called it to do. And I just want to encourage you and want to be a part of what they're doing in the kingdom. You can sow a financial seed. You can help us continue to do what God's calling us to do. You can use Cash App, Dollar Sign, My Church Lynchburg, PayPal.me forward slash My Church Lynchburg, or you can use the Giveify app. Or just go to our website and click Sow a Seed. But however you decide to give, just know that your gifts are going to help us continue to do what God's called us to do. God has called us to have a major impact. And we are one week away from our official launch of our very own streaming platform. We are launching on next Sunday the My Church channel on Roku, Firestick, Apple TV. We have our own streaming app. 
plat, uh, website. You can go to mychurchchannel.org. On your mobile device, it's called My Church On The Go in the Apple and Google Play App Store. And then we're also available on all of your podcasts, on your favorite podcast platforms. Just search for the word at My Church Podcast. And we have all kinds of new, innovative content available. Word at My Church on Sunday, The Man Cave, Women of Worth, Marriage Seer Training, Medicine for the Mind, which is some new programming for to help people struggle with addiction. Brand new Akintune Morning Show, which is a great morning show on Tuesdays and Thursdays. If you just want to laugh, you want to have some time to kick back on your morning commute or at your job, just sit back, put your headphones in or watch it on your phone to be able to get you something to break up the week. And then I've got a brand new talk show that I'm doing called From the Heart of the Pastor to help you really understand who pastors are at the heart because there's so much misinformation out here that make you think that we're the bad guys. We're the guys that are God has given you to make your life better. But all that content is available right here on our brand new streaming platform that we're officially launching next week. You can go download the app right now. But we're so excited to bring this to you. And if you want to help support us with that, you can go ahead and do that right there on the, on the screen. But in any event, make sure you share this information. Share with somebody you know. Share this word with somebody you know. Let them know to make sure that they come back and watch the word at my church. God bless you. Happy Palm Sunday. Come back and see us again on next time. God bless you. We love you. Stay tuned for our announcements. God bless you. See you again next time. At my church, we help people get better by teaching them how the word works. And we want to make sure there is no excuse not to get the word. It's our goal to make all of our ministries accessible on every smartphone, tablet, PC, and television connected to the internet. So whether you're a man who needs some wisdom, a woman who needs some encouragement, or a couple who needs guidance, the My Church channel has just what you need. Simply search for the My Church channel on Roku, Fire Stick, or Apple TV, or visit MyChurchChannel.org. You can also download the My Church On The Go app from Apple or Google Play App Store. Constantly on the move? Check out the Word At My Church podcast on your favorite podcast platform. or simply download the Word at My Church skill on your Alexa-enabled device. But whatever you do, make sure to stay connected. See you soon.